this is WTM. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I ain't drinking up. First, you gotta do the Trump shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. WGM. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. You're sorry. Check my shorts for Christ's sake. There it is. Yeah. That voice you hear is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. Chicken dippers! Praying that this episode gets out to everybody. <laughs> we shall see. Fingers crossed. We recorded First Blood last week. Got lost into the ether. It was a good episode. We recorded the whole fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that ended up getting deleted as I was trying to edit it. Just disappeared. Whoosh. Whoosh. Gone. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to record this before we re-record First Blood. So you've probably already heard First Blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this won't come out until the weekend. This is all news to you. I'm this sure. is Tuesday the tw 13th? 13th. 13th. Tuesday the 13th. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It's real scary. It's the Ides of August. <laughs> be a sequel to Ides of March. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, this will just be a recently seen ep. Uh, fulfilling my duty of the movie challenge, I watched Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Yep. Which we'll be discussing more in depth with spoilers after the main recently seen section. I rewatched that yesterday. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's about how I remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah you just want to get into it sure what did you see Clarice what did you see what did you see Brett I saw I know you got some new releases for me you uh, A-lister you yep I saw a 2019 release it's a low budget indie flick known as Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw it's a tiny little film just you know you might not have heard of it I don't think you've seen any advertising for it. Uh, directed by David uh, Leitch, Leitch, something like that. Stars Dwayne Johnson, uh, Jason Statham, Idris Elba, Vanessa Kirby, uh, Helen Mirren's in there, and then uh, the rest are mostly cameos and small parts. And I don't want to spoil the cameos. There's some big ones. Uh, synopsis. A, uh, Twitter's been spoiling those cameos for me. <laughs> Saw the one with the tattoos, the tattoo picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you? There's another one that I like better. That one I was a little, yeah, about. Uh, synopsis. Lawman Luke Hobbs and outcast Deckard Shaw form an unlikely alliance when a cyber genetically enhanced villain threatens the future of humanity. We'll preface this. With uh, the fact that I am not a Fast and Furious guy. You've seen the first film, right? That's it? I saw about 10 minutes of the first one and <laughs> I minutes. said, this is the movie I'm going to shut off <laughs> and not finish. Oh, wait, Vin Diesel's in this. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, 
I didn't uh I didn't care for that opening scene and I thought I said uh this is not for me. I I did uh see Tokyo Drift uh not by choice. It's cuz my brother watched it on demand and then fell asleep and he did it 3 days in a row. And just played it all the way through cuz he had the remote. Why don't you just well, he had the remote in his hand in a death grip. <laughs> Go up to the cable box and just channel over. Nah, why? Well, I didn't want to have because he'd probably wake up and fight me if I did that. <laughs> I wasn't looking to fight. So, Tokyo Drift is probably the one that I've seen the most of. <laughs> oh, definitely. Which is virtually, <laughs> I, I've seen virtually all of it, if not all of it. Uh, and obviously, I didn't quite care for that one either, but. I don't know this Hobbs and Shaw thing. The uh, the trailers got me pumped for it. Like it was, I was like, man, that's that looks like some fun stuff. So I, I gave it a shot. Yeah, I really didn't know any of the character backgrounds or anything like that. And it doesn't take away from the movie if you don't know that stuff. There's a there's a few scenes where they they mention, oh, this happened X number of years ago, and it may or may not have been covered in the other movies. I don't know. Some of this stuff sounds like it was just made up for this movie so um yeah like i said you don't really need to see the the rest of the fast and furious movies to to get you know the gist of what's going on and who the characters are they mm. do a little bit of character development within this own film yeah I'll, I'll say the uh the beginning i was kind of iffy about it didn't really catch me right away but uh once uh the Rock and Jason Statham got together on screen and started playing back and forth with their little jabs and verbal, you know, uh, verbal fencing. jabs, I guess. Verbal fencing. Yeah. That that stuff was super, really funny stuff. And, uh, you know, Idris Elba is great in here. A lot of really good action set pieces. They go to Samoa. The scenes in Samoa were probably my favorite. I mean, there's a lot of hilarious stuff in there. Um, overall... Uh, a really uh, fun action movie. Uh, get you going, get you pumped. We'll give Hobbs and Shaw, and eventually. Eventually. All right. I basically saw three 80s films. Dude Bros from 2016, but... <laughs> it's it's a lost... It's an homage to 80s movies. So. It was banned by Ronald Reagan. Yeah. A lost 80s film. <laughs> So, besides Dude Bro, I saw a couple of hard movies. A couple of hard movies, Brett. First one, Hard Bodies from 1984. Just getting hard over the weekend, huh? Yeah. This, <laughs> <laughs> in more ways than one. Oh! This was a movie produced by Playboy. It was going to air on Playboy Channel in the 80s. You know, just let's get a bunch of tits in a movie and put it on the channel. Well, Columbia Pictures said, hey, 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 let us have some of that. So they bought it and distributed it. I think it made about seven and a half mil at the box office. Holy shit. Not big numbers, but for, <laughs> for what it was produced for. For what it is? Yeah. In the in 80s dollars? That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. It spawned a sequel, Hard Bodies 2. <laughs> um, it was referenced in an Entourage episode where... A rival agent of Ari's has a naked picture of his wife mm-hmm. and said it was from Hard Bodies 3, <laughs> which never happened. It was just you know, a fictitious sequel. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's been referenced sometimes in pop culture. I've kind of heard of it, but never knew what the fuck it was. Is uh, Full disclosure, this movie and the next movie I'm going to talk about, I got at Menards. <laughs> just well known for its movie collection. Because so I had to buy some stuff for the house, or the apartment rather. Yeah. And I'm walking through, and they I used to work at Menards back in the day in college. And they always had this DVD section with a bunch of cheap DVDs and Blu-rays. And um, Mill Creek must have an agreement with them. You know much about Mill Creek? No. So they're a DVD company, basically, home video. And they kind of specialize in value DVDs, collections. Mm -hmm. It's usually pretty cheap stuff. They have some stuff from public domain that they'll release. Okay. Money off that stuff. But they also have some agreements with Sony and Universal. Okay. So they do have some regular stuff. Um, I believe my Larry Sanders show collection is Mill Creek, where it's like a paper case and all the discs are in paper sleeves, <laughs> like cardboard <laughs> sleeves. It's like really hokey. Yeah. But hey, I got it. It's cheap. I got the whole collection. It's 20 bucks. Who gives a shit? Nice. And uh, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> entire series of coach on there see if they work with universal maybe they'll release the hunt real cheap <laughs> yeah maybe uh fun fact guess where mill creek was founded mill creek minnetonka minnesota i've been watching a family of deer down by lake minnetonka um <laughs> uh, and I looked online, and it looks like they might have two offices, one in Minnetonka, one in Golden Valley. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I should send them an email. Like, you guys hire it or what? <laughs> I'll give you some good ideas of what content to get. I wonder if you can just walk in. Yeah, I wonder what their office looks like. Yeah. You think it's just like a... It's like probably a, a warehouse. Like a closet or, a, <laughs> or like a like a storage unit or something. A warehouse with a receptionist in the front. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so Minnesota Company got to shout it out. There you go. Um, and they do... Send uh, us free stuff. I mean, not everything is cheap as hell. Uh, the next movie I'm talking about, you saw the Blu-ray. It's a special edition. Yeah. Um, Hard Bodies. Actually, if you could pull that out. It's actually right hey. behind... Hey! <laughs> it's right behind the sign there. And the H is in the comedy section there. Now, that is a bare-bones Blu-ray. There is exactly no special features, no subtitles, but that packaging is, that's some great packaging, don't you think? Looks like a VHS tape. It does look like a VHS tape. They got me with the packaging on that one. It's a, uh, it's a woman in a bikini uh, from just above her titties to just below her pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And she's, she's writing hard bodies on her stomach with suntan lotion. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> perfect description but yeah it looks like a vhs tape yeah. it has remember those stickers that they used to put on vhs tapes don't leave it in the car this tape will melt it does it does say that yeah yeah so i saw that i was like oh sweet i didn't look that there's no special features to speak of but i'm not too bummed about it hard bodies let's get into the details here um but as i say uh the other movie i got has a lot of special features in it okay so not everything they make is cheap as shit so they got some good stuff. Uh, 
Hard Bodies came out in 84, directed by Mark Griffiths, starring Grant Kramer, Teal Roberts, Gary Wood, Michael Rapport, not Rapaport, Rapport, uh, Roberta Collins, Searles Pickard, Cindy Silver, Courtney Gaines. Storyline. Three middle-aged daddies visit California to have a marvelous time at the beach when they learn that a nice apartment and an expensive cabriolet isn't enough for them. Cabriolet? What the hell is that? Isn't that a car? Maybe. Must be. Is enough for them to score with the chicks. They employ a student to help them. At first, he's as disgusted of them and his job as his girlfriend, but soon they find out how to use the situation to everyone's benefit. So I don't know why they said daddies. They don't seem like fathers and they're not like a pimp. They're these three middle-aged dudes, kind of geezerish. One of them they, is like fit and not a total ugly recluse looking guy. But The case calls them three middle-aged geezers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they move into this nice beach house and they're trying to score with all these, you know, 20-year-old chicks. And <laughs> they are not having it for obvious reasons. <laughs> so they enlist like the local young stud who just kind of gets tail wherever he finds it. You know, <laughs> women are just drawn to him everywhere he goes. He pulls women. And you said this was produced by Playboy. Yeah. Shocking. Shocking. This doesn't sound like anything they would put out. Yeah. I, w- I thought there was going to be like a shit ton of sex scenes and there's a few, but not, they're not really graphic. There's yeah. a lot of nudity, but it's mostly just, Girls checking their tops off, you know, around mm-hmm. the beach or parties at the house. Yeah. A lot of topless stuff. Like the sex scenes aren't graphic. But you all. just it's watched, not like softcore porn. You just watched it for the articles, right? Yeah. I watched it for the eighties <laughs> cheesiness. I didn't know it was a play by movie until Until you did some digging. Did some digging into the masterpiece that is Hard Bodies. So till you saw the logo at the beginning? Yeah. Hard Bodies <laughs> is the name for all the young babes on the beach. They're hard bodies. That's where the title comes from, which they remind you of about 20 <laughs> times. There was a wrestler named Hardbody Harrison. <laughs> I think he may or may not have been a rapist. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It could be confusing him with somebody else. <laughs> if he wasn't, I apologize. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, so there's some funny stuff in here, I guess, like, moderately funny stuff Mm. this is not something you need to i guess go out of your way to see there was a young all-female uh 80s rock band featured in here called vixen Mm -hmm. i guess they have six of their i guess they were semi-famous in the 80s i never heard of them and i love 80s music it sounds kind of familiar but i couldn't tell you what they were famous for what songs they did so i guess this movie's kind of famous for having them in it and I was hoping for a nice 80s cheesy sex romp. And that's kind of what it is, but it's not that funny. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it again, but mm. it embodies, it, it hard embodies a last resort. <laughs> it's a last resort. So what else have you watched? That's what happens when you buy movies at Menard. It was cheap. I, I hope so. That case, though, you think with a case like that, it's going to have special features. No subtitles, no nothing. Not 5.1. Well, maybe the fact that it looks like a VHS should have <laughs> given you an idea. 
that it's like a VHS. <laughs> uh, I saw another movie from 2019 called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Ooh. Is that rain? Jesus Christ. Oh, that is a downpour. It's like a monsoon. Better not hail on your car out there. <laughs> Good thing you're mostly under the tree. Yeah, watch the tree drop on it. <laughs> Fucking A. Good thing I just renewed my car insurance, but I forgot to print out my new uh, ID cards. Uh-oh. <laughs> I've driven without those for years. Well, that's good for you. Yeah. So we're talking about scary stories to tell in the dark. It's directed by Andre Overdahl. Stars Zoe Margaret Coletti, Michael Garza, uh, Gabriel Rush, Dean Norris is in there. Ooh, another Dean Norris film. Uh, Gil Bellows, uh, Lorraine Toussaint, Austin Zajur. Natalie Gonsor, Austin Abrams, uh, Kathleen Pollard, Stephanie Belding. I think that's enough. <laughs> There's a lot of people in here, okay? Sure there is. Uh, synopsis, a group of teens face their fears in order to save their lives. That is the world's worst description <laughs> of a movie. <laughs> Is it a anthology type film? No, it's. Okay. It, it, I don't know if it was a bunch of different stories strung together. Not like really. Or it kind of no, no. It's all one, concept, one uh, complete narrative. Okay. So I guess to get a little better idea, uh, this group of uh, kind of nerdy teenagers. Uh, it says it's their last uh, Halloween as children, but they're like seniors in high school, mm-hmm. so I guess technically. And it takes place in 1968. So they end up going to this old abandoned mansion that everybody thinks is haunted, and the the rumor is that the wealthy family that lived there had a, a daughter who they kind of um, hid from the public and were ashamed of, and... Mm-hmm. Um, try to pretend like she wasn't, you know, didn't exist. Um, and they find a bo- uh, book uh, that the daughter had written, and the book is like magic. So it like it writes stories about the people who found the book, uh, and then as the story is being written, those things actually happen to the people that the story is being written about. So, yeah, uh, the stories themselves, I thought, you know, and the, the acting out of the stories I, I thought was done really well. Um, I really enjoyed that, that part of it Had some really, uh, good actual, like scary moments and jump scares and things like that. They're pretty creative. The, the rest of the movie is, uh, the kids trying to solve the mystery of the book and how to, you know destroy it or get to get it to stop and mm-hmm. how to save themselves that stuff i thought was uh not very interesting and uh, uh a little bit boring but 
overall, it's a it's a pretty good movie. You know the uh, the scary parts, like I said, the the actual stories are are worth seeing. So I'll give it an eventually. All right. Eventually. Yeah, I heard the practical effects were pretty good in that film. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's nice to have a horror film that has practical effects these days. Yeah, I I don't know if they did a lot of CGI, but it was definitely uh, well done, the the visual effects. Good makeup and whatnot. Yeah. All right. Here's the second hard film I watched from 1987, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, directed by Andy Sedaris, written by Andy Sedaris, starring Ron Moss, Donna Spear, Hope Marie Carlton, Harold Diamond, Rodrigo Obregón, Cynthia Brimall, Wolf Larson, Patty Duffick, Rustam Branaman. Synopsis. In Molokai, two undercover drug enforcement agents are after a vicious drug kingpin, but on the way, they will also have to deal with a contaminated giant python. Contaminated. Yes. If that synopsis sounds nonsensical, it's because it is. Uh, this is known as you know one of the best bad movies ever made type of thing. It's a B movie. Connection to Hard Bodies, not other than Hard in the title. There's four Playboy Playmates in here. Wow, that was like a main selling point. You know, we got <laughs> we got four Playmates, and we got Ron Moss from The Bold and the Beautiful. I bet his career took off after that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had this at the theater as a midnight movie about six years ago. I'd always heard good things about it. It was entertaining, a lot of fun, and it definitely is. I think you would get a big kick out of this movie. Uh, A lot of laughs, a lot of fun action. It's like uh, almost like a trauma movie with a much bigger budget. The style of comedy is different. Trauma tends to go for the more gross out shit and blood type stuff yeah but (laughs) there is a lot of funny moments in here some very creative set pieces so to say this movie has the most needlessly elaborate kills and set pieces i've ever seen maybe just ridiculous some of the setups they have for set pieces and kills i would definitely recommend it uh it's one of those uh b movies that most people should be able to enjoy I will give it an eventually. Eventually. No, I feel like you've given me a hard time giving movies (laughs) better than that an eventually. Yeah. (laughs) But if it's worth watching, it's worth watching, right? Yeah. So I don't give all movies like that an eventually. Yeah. And then again, I don't watch all that many movies like that. Yeah. Because they're not my favorite thing, but Mm -hmm. I like them sometimes. Yeah. In the mood, the mood strikes. Speaking of just crazy movies, my last movie is from 1988. Ooh. Although when I watched it on Xfinity, Xfinity says it's from '89. Hmm. It's called the It's called Vampires Kiss. <laughs> it's uh, directed by Robert Bierman. Written by Joseph Minion. I want to make sure I get his name out there because that's a hell of a script. Stars your man, Nicolas Cage, uh, Maria Conchita Alonso, who I believe was in The Running Man. 
Mm. Just a year earlier. Stars your girl Jennifer Beals. There we go. Uh, Elizabeth Ashley. That's pretty much all the main characters. It's mostly uh, starring Nicolas Cage, though. <laughs> oh, John Michael Higgins was in there. I don't remember if I recognized him or not. Anyway, synopsis. After an encounter with a neck biter, a publishing executive thinks that he's turning into a vampire. Y'all seen memes from this movie. Yeah. It's the one where he's got the the uh, the googly eyes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Except for that's not the line. Mm-hmm. People just add that on there. This movie was fucking wild. Um, IMDb says it's a comedy horror. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's intentionally a comedy. It's hard to tell. If they're trying to be serious or not. Is it PG-13? Or R? No, it's got to be R. Okay. Let me see. It's R. So, yeah. Nicolas Cage thinks he's turning into a vampire. And whether he is or not, they don't really go that far to tell you. You have to try to decide for yourself if he's actually turning into one or not. But he thinks he is. And he is... All the way over the top. Mm-hmm. It's turned up past 11. On this the... is Rage Cage. <laughs> and Crazy Cage. And like it's a lot of the dialogue sounds it's like it's written by a teenager. Like somebody who's like 15 years old wrote it. Because it's so nonsensical and so ridiculous. Plus, so he's a publishing executive. And one of the main pot, plot points is he constantly screams at and demeans one of his secretaries because she's supposed to find an old contract buried in some file somewhere that she can't find that the client doesn't even need right now. And he just berates her constantly about this contract. Like, it's the only thing that he does all day mm-hmm. at his job. And then there's scenes where he sees his therapist. He's trying to explain all the stuff that's going on. It's, it has to be seen to be believed or understood (laughs) um it's been on my list for a while i haven't gotten around to it yet i'm if if you listen to this podcast you know i'm not the biggest nick cage fan uh and i i usually actively avoid him but i thought i'd give this one a try because it you know you've seen the Mm -hmm. meme and i kind of heard about it and it's uh it needs to be seen i'm gonna give it an eventually because it's like objectively a bad movie, mm-hmm. but like you still need to see this. Okay. Eventually. Yeah, uh, you might have to rethink your stance on Nicolas Cage because the last like three, four films of his you've seen you've liked. I don't know if I'd say that many. This, The Rock, Leaving Las Vegas, Face guess- Off. You liked all those. Some, some more than others. Some more than others. But you didn't actively dislike any of them. That's, that's Would you true. give any of those a last resort? Um, I'd say face-off is probably borderline. Ooh. Set pieces are gold in there. <laughs> John Woo. The Woo. <laughs> the Woo. Um, yeah. Love me some Nick Cage. If you love, like, out-of-control Nick Cage, that's... Your 
that's your the fucking, best kind. That's your fucking cage. shit. Like they took the handcuffs off. Yeah, and for you know objectively bad movies, getting back to Hard Ticket to Hawaii, as Andy Sedaris, the guy who wrote and directed it, he was he's known for making a lot of B movies. That was kind of his shtick. That's what he Ooh. liked to do. I think he even lived in Hawaii because pretty much all his films are pretty much set and shot out there. Okay. Because this is all Hawaii and everything looks gorgeous because it's fucking Hawaii. So. Yeah, he must have had to live out there because nobody's going to take a whole fucking movie crew and shoot in Hawaii. I'm sure it's expensive as fuck. Yeah. Unless maybe if you're a resident. Mm. Although, I don't know, maybe in the 70s and 80s it wasn't as expensive. Maybe they had more. Uh, incentives to shoot out there because every fucking TV show did a Hawaii vacation episode. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii Five O. Although that wasn't on the seventies and eighties, but it was like a sixties show. Wasn't that? I thought that was more in the seventies. I guess it could have been. I can look it up right here. I think it was in the seventies because I think. Uh, oh, look at this! Sixty-eight to eighty. I didn't know it went on that long. Yeah. Because I think nineteen eighty, I think Sanford and Son did like a two-parter in Hawaii, and they did a crossover with Hawaii Five O. Okay, that makes <laughs> sense. I believe it was on for twelve years. And then it was on in syndication well into the nineties. I always think of Jack Lord and uh, he plays Felix and Goldfinger, Bond's okay. CIA buddy. And what? Well, not Goldfinger, uh, Doctor No. Spoilers for later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, because like when he's in it, it's always like Hawaii Five O's Doctor No. Like they obviously don't say that in the movie or in the promotion. Mm-hmm. But when you read about it, you know, if you went to Wikipedia, it would say you know starring Sean Connery as James Bond, and uh, it would say Jack Lord as Felix Leiter. You know, parentheses of Hawaii Five O <laughs> fame. You yeah. Know. But. Yeah, I suppose we should get to the movie challenge. This is a challenge. So, as we said, I watched Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. But before we get into... Well, actually, no. We got to do it now. We'll talk about it now, and then we'll do spoilers after I wrap it up. Yeah. So, I watched Dude Bro Party Massacre 3 which came out in 2015, actually. It says here. I thought it was 16. I think Xfinity said 16. Probably. Or uh, was it on Shudder? I might have watched it on Shudder. It was on Showtime on Xfinity, so you probably watched it on Shudder. Directed by Tom Jacobson, Michael Rousselet, and John Salmon. Salmon. (laughs) It's actually Salmon. Starring Alec Owen, Ben Gigley, Olivia Taylor Dudley, uh, Eric Sandoval, Chelsea St. John. Should I go over cameos? I can't remember if you did or not. Uh, I mean, I don't remember. Like, Patton Oswald has a pretty big role. It's not really a cameo. Yeah. I mean, you say what? Larry King was in there. Yeah. Larry King, Patton Oswald. Uh, Greg Sestero. Do you know who Greg Sestero is? Uh, the name sounds familiar. 
So I watched in the movie and I'm like, I know this fucking guy. Is he Greg Sestero? And I look it up. Greg Sestero. He was in the room. He also wrote the book, The Disaster Artist, which is what the movie was based off of. Okay. He's Tommy Wiseau's, you know, best buddy. Who was he in this movie? Do you remember? Derek. He's one oh, of the he first was to Derek. go. Derek. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that everybody he's likes. For, he was like the forty-year-old guy that. <laughs> he was the guy that greets him at the at the the house at the beginning. And he's like the nice one. Fuck you, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's famous for being in the room. Okay. And I've met this fucking dude, and he is a fucking dude, bro. <laughs> in real life. That's funny because he's like the least dude bro of the, the cast in the movie. So Of the characters, I mean. Not, yeah. Not necessarily of the, the actors. At the theater, we had, uh, we used to show The Room the last Friday of every month, which we stopped about a half year ago. Except for this week, where Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have nightly showings with Tommy Wiseau in person. He's going to be there taking pictures and, you know, doing introducing the movie and whatnot. So that'll be a big hassle. Can, but you get, can you get a picture with them? I could. I don't know if I want one. Yeah. I already had a catch with them. That's enough. <laughs> what? You've never seen The Room, but a big thing about The Room is a scene where they play catch with a football on the roof of their apartment. Okay. But they're like eight feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like the dumbest fucking thing ever. And you recreated that with Tommy Wiseau? Uh, not by choice. <laughs> People would love, like, big fans that love, you know, throwing the pigskin around with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, he busted out this football, and he just started tossing it to people. <laughs> and I was working. I was working downstairs in the lobby, and he threw it to me, and I threw it back, and I was like, whatever. I was like, <laughs> people outside are super jelly, because we weren't really letting a lot of people in yet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a big thing, because he's trying to act all American, so he's like, let's play some football, some good American football. Let's play. Like he's a big football player, and he's he's the most uncoordinated guy ever. Well, You're he like, must be good at it now. He never, I mean, played a, never played a down of football in his life. He's been throwing that football for yeah, almost he's 20 better. years now. He's gotten better. But anyways, so he was at the theater a few years back for the same type of thing, but Greg Sestero was with him. Okay. And this is right after he wrote his book. And he was about to go on tour, a book tour for the disaster artist. Mm-hmm. This is August, mm, I don't know, four or five years ago. You'd have to look up when the book came out. But it was around that time. And we had this girl that just started working. She had just graduated high school. She was 18 and okay. like a really young 18. She looked like she was 15. Oh, yeah. Tops. And... All he did was sit and flirt with her for about an hour. <laughs> she was working the concession stand. He would not fucking stop talking to her. Wow. Like other people are coming up and he's telling her like, yeah, I'm going to this big book tour. Cause she was about to head off to college mm-hmm. in, uh, I think Massachusetts somewhere. And he's like, Oh, I'm stopping in such and such a town. I'll be right by there. <laughs> should meet up. And like, he creeped her on Facebook and yeah. like, set up. And I think she did say that they did meet and like, hung out or something not like a date or anything but like wow when he was like he hunted her down <laughs> he's like 
I looked up. He was like 35, 36 at the time. Mm-hmm. And she was 18 looking like she was 15. So, yeah, nothing illegal there technically. Yeah. But it looked fucking creepy as hell. And it was just like, he is a fucking dude, bro. <laughs> That's funny. That kind of reminds me of uh, when UFC was here in 2012. We were in the section next to where all the fighters were sitting, and Pat Barry was there with Rose Namajunas. It was before Rose got into the the UFC and fighting all that stuff, and uh, she eventually became the world champion. But we didn't know who she was, and we're like, and Pat Barry was mid thirties, mm-hmm. and we're like, is that his daughter there? Is that his daughter? <laughs> no, that was his fiance. Ah, nice. She was like 19. I think she was 19. And they had been engaged for like a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was he was pushing 40. Yeah. And they're still together, but like there's a pretty wide age gap there. Yeah. But yeah, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I was just like, what are you doing? Like, she's trying to work. She's fucking selling yeah. concessions. And he just, he's just hovering around her <laughs> right at the concession stand. <laughs> It's like, go fucking talk to fans that want you to sign the fucking book and shit yeah. or get your pictures taken. It was just weird. But yeah, let's get back to Dude Bro Party Massacre 3 synopsis. In the wake of two back-to-back mass murders on Chico's frat row, loner Brett Chirino must infiltrate the ranks of a popular fraternity to investigate his twin brother's murder at the hands of the serial killer known as Motherface. So this movie is obviously the third of a trilogy that doesn't exist. Yeah. One and two don't exist. They kind of do a setup where it's, it was kind of funny that uh, they said the movie only exists because somebody in Minneapolis <laughs> recorded it on VHS when it was on late at night yeah. back in the 80s. So what the Reagan administration banned it or something yeah like ronald reagan himself Mm -hmm. banned the movie Mm -hmm. to be destroyed all copies to be destroyed yeah so it's kind of a parody of slasher 80s movies and uh you know played for laughs it's a big parody spoof but like a low budget one yeah even though there's some like Patton oswald's a pretty big name in comedy even four years ago yeah and it's it's shot like a vhs tape yeah, it's in four. It's four by three, full screen, not widescreen. <laughs> uh, there was glitches in there. There's ads. Yeah, that are kind of cut off. You could tell it was like, well, we'll cut out the ads that were recorded on the VHS tape, but not quite all of them. You know, there's like snippets of ads. Well, it's it's like the kid was watching it. And he tried to stop recording when the commercial started and start mm-hmm. recording again when they ended. Yeah, and so you get a little. I used to do that. Yeah. yeah. Say some space on that tape. Uh, yeah, there's some there's good laughs in here. I think you probably laughed more than I did. I, I found it to be a movie that I appreciated more than I enjoyed or laughed at. But there's still plenty of laughs to go around. Yeah. Um, the let's see, runtime is. It was longer than I expected, but the credits hour were, thirty-one minutes. I think on Showtime is an hour and forty-one, but the last ten was all credits. Okay. Yeah, I remember it being around hour 42. I mean, it says in IMDb it's hour 31, but... Because it was done by... that's a typo. It was done by a group called uh, Five Second Films, 
Okay. And they did like a GoFundMe thing. So like everybody that donated their GoFundMe got in the credits. I see. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, cast is pretty good. I thought their material they're given. Um, couldn't decide if they were like jokingly trying to hide the identity of Motherface when uh-huh. you see Motherface make her first kill right in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, she did it. Why didn't? Yeah. Why don't they grab her? <laughs> and then, but you know they don't until the end. It's like, oh, it's you. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, they but, didn't know it was. They didn't know it was her. Like the other guys didn't know. Like it was mm-hmm. the person that they that ended up being. But the place where the dead body would have been found would well, have been the main indicator. And I didn't really see anything that indicated that it was like a covered up crime scene or something. There's a bumbling police force, yes. Well, they didn't really show if like she moved the body or if she left it there. Okay. Yeah. So they just kind of cut away from it. I'm like, well, she's going to get caught pretty quick. Yeah, the implication was that, you know, she got away with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, you know, I really appreciate the detail they went through with the commercials, the little glitches, the tracking. You see the tracking mm. at the bottom of the screen. Uh, phenomenal job to kind of recreate that recorded in the 80s feel. Yeah. So that was all terrific. I'd, I'd definitely watch it again, too. A lot of fun stuff. I would recommend it eventually. Eventually. Yeah, I forget. I was going to look up to see what I rated it, but I'm guessing I gave it an eventually. Mm-hmm. Now we've come to the part where I have to challenge you to watch a film. Yeah. And you are going to bite the bullet and watch 1962's Dr. No, the first James Bond film. Oh, no. The most boring one there is. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, still well regarded as a film. Okay. I mean, it's not that slow to me, but I love Bond, so... For someone who's not really into Bond, I could see where it'd be a little slow. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what you think. Um, it's also kind of the first of a genre, so to say. I mean, there were plenty of spy films before this, but Dr. No and James Bond really started pushing the envelope and became a kind of a trendsetter for this type of film. So I guess you could say it sort of modernized the spy action adventure genre so i mean each movie bond gets bigger and not that every movie is better yeah but they you know there's more extravagant set pieces and stunts and higher budgets and all that so uh this one's more of a i guess a little truer to the source material one could say so it'll be interesting to see what you think of it uh, since i know you're about it not a big bond fan you've seen one I have seen one. You've seen the black exploitation, <laughs> tinted Bond, live and let die. Yeah, and you enjoyed that, but you weren't like a huge fan. Right. I think it was one of those deals where it, I don't know if it surprised you, but you're like, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, type deal. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not into Bond at all. Not really. What I'm really trying to do is you just got to watch all of them until you get <laughs> into Batista, because I know you'll watch Batista. <laughs> Well, I did see Stuber, so <laughs> uh, that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking of like, instead of, you know, I can't just assign you all of them. Maybe one every so often in the series, 
like mm-hmm. an important one because Bond is the best example of his history in film because it gives you world history and film history and how movies were made. You can learn so much about over the years from early 60s to now about how movies were made. So it's kind of a cool crash course in history. Uh, and you get world history from, you know, who are the bad guys? Well, mm-hmm. large portions of it is Russians. <laughs> Surprise. Cold War stuff. But also pop culture stuff. Once it gets later in the series, they start grabbing what's hot at the time. Or yeah. like the Spy of Love Me has a jet ski in it when mm-hmm. the jet ski had just come out. And people were like, oh, my God, it's a motorcycle <laughs> on water. I can't believe this. This is crazy. So you get to see like what were the trends at the time and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you think of Dr. No 1962. So yeah, uh, we'll get that episode in a couple of weeks probably. And then uh, before we get into spoilers for dude, bro, please follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie. We just hit 300 followers. Wow. 300. This is WTM. It's actually part of the uh, intro. Yeah. He always says this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please subscribe and rate and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. We're on a bunch of different apps. I'm on Twitter, too. I'm at Positively Wolf One. Oh, I forgot this time. Yeah. I'm doing all right on the followers, but uh, you could always use more. Yeah. And uh, where but, can people support the show besides with their rating and reviewing of the show? We'd love some engagement on Twitter, too. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, we get some, but we can always have more. This is true. Uh, if you want to support the show, if you want to help us upgrade our equipment... Uh, and prevent lost episodes in the future. I think still mourning the Space Jam episode. <laughs> I know that, that was, was a good one. That was a good one. Much better than the movie. The episode was really good. And it ruined <laughs> our uh, our citizen toxie was subpar because we had to record it like three times. Yeah. Um, but you can help us out. Get some cool merchandise uh, at teespring dot com slash stores slash wtm watch this movie. I just added uh, three new designs, actually. We got the two uh, regularly scheduled designs, and I put a special purple and gold one up there So with the Minnesota Skull, Vikings. Skull Vikings. Yeah. If you're, if you're not a Vikings fan and you're a Lakers fan, it works for you, too. Yeah. Or if you just like purple and yellow. It's, it's pretty sweet-looking shit. Yeah. Uh, through the end of August, you can use the promo code SO. S-A-M for the Summer of Sam and get 10% off your order. There you go, 10% off. Any little bit helps, so uh, we encourage you to check that out. All right, let's get into spoilers for Dude Bro. Now, I got to admit. Who's your favorite Dude Bro? (laughs) I don't know if I had one. We um, forgot to mention Andrew WK is in there. Andrew WK. Um, Let's start a party. Let's start a party. Party hard. Remember you had that one song? He's the dude with the long hair. He's the one. I, the, I know the name, but I can't picture him. He's the dude that's at the cabin when they show up. He's, he's always wearing white t-shirts and white jeans. 
He's got the long hair. What's his last name? Andrew WK. Yep. Does it stand for anything? Because I'm l- looking for it in. It's WK. Like that's okay. What okay goes, there it is. That's what he goes by. Yep. Okay. Him. I don't know what else he's on. He just did that one song. Did uh, a lot of soundtracks for stuff, of course. I like, gotta say, I called it. Two minutes in the movie, I knew that that woman was a bag of oranges. I knew it. <laughs> called it. <laughs> I totally forgot about that subplot. I remember the first time I watched it, I liked the the first half a lot better than the second half, but I think this time I was flipped. I liked the second half better. I don't know. Maybe I was probably more like, because the first time you watch it, it's it's a lot coming at you at once because yeah. it's doing so many things. Mm-hmm. So I think I was more maybe impressed is the right word with the first half than the second half. Yeah. But I think that's how I was. So uh, second time, I, I like I said, I appreciated the second half a lot more. I think the uh, the killer was at least in part a spoof of the house on sorority row. The house on sorority row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been meaning to see that. Which is a decent movie. It's not great, but I'd probably like it more than you, though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think I just you bought would, hard yeah. bodies, so <laughs> I think you would on like a whim. <laughs> I, I agree oh, I'm gonna like, like this it, a lot. It's okay. <laughs> but it's it's very similar the uh the killer is a similar backstory okay um i like turbo do you notice turbo spells his name t-u-r-b-e-a-u-x <laughs> <laughs> i did notice that yes <laughs> you know turbo um so the best scenes I thought maybe were between the two cops. Oh yeah, like we're sitting in the van. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what what that one guy, what the guy's name was, but uh, I liked how he sleeps with his eyes open. <laughs> and then he's just mumbling about his dad abusing him. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, guy comes up to the window and he ends up running over him with his. Uh, with with the van and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to you know clean it out. Well, they, Wolves are coming. <laughs> well, they're driving. And he's like, man slapping a boy. <laughs> no, there's a man slapping a boy over there. They got to stop. And then he gives the he like punches the dude and then he gives the boy a hundred dollars and tells him to go find his <laughs> go dreams. start a new life. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just backs over the dude. It yeah. gets stuck in the wheels. Oh, yeah, that was good stuff. I like that. I did like how they uh, all the kills were based on their the fears, their greatest fears. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like the one dude got killed when he, he went in the, uh, the tool shed because he's afraid of tools and handyman work. Was that Derek? Yeah. Yeah, Derek. He got the hoe to the back of the head. Yeah. And then he got electrocuted. The one guy that was, his biggest fear was beer running out. So he got the. <laughs> got tapped in the head. Yeah, the keg tap was in his head and pumped. The one dude was afraid of having sex. So when he had sex, he got stabbed in the back. Oh, <laughs> that scene. That scene's pretty funny. She was just begging for it. <laughs> just trying to get pregnant. So I think. 
My the holes you poked in this condom are still <laughs> not enough. They're still suffocating down there. <laughs> the one dude got pulled apart and then they dropped him. He's like, Oh, he's standing up to his fear of heights. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't establish that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was some, that was a pretty good bit at the end when they're wrapping everything up. Yeah. Like going through everything and yeah, we, we didn't establish that. Eh, just go with it or something. I can't remember what he says. <laughs> right. You don't even know our names. <laughs> uh Turtleneck Bro and Flannel Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Only because we're named after what our shirts are. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. How about all the pranks that they're bringing up from past years? Yeah. They deposed a South American dictator. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good one. They blew up a dam and flooded a town, killed 4,000 people. <laughs> good pranks. Solid pranks. They, uh, they caused a... Airplane crash that landed on an orphanage. Yeah. They're, they're trying to go to the radio station. They're too drunk. They went to the airport instead. Yeah. Uh, what I was talking about earlier with, I couldn't figure out what they were trying to do with the identity of the killer. Yeah. As he get the twin brother gets killed right away in the beginning by the therapist uh, with a scissors, I believe, <laughs> into the neck. How about that? She takes the point of the scissors and... Uh, slices his throat <laughs> with the point of the scissors. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they go into the mythology of Motherface. Yeah. And I was like, okay, are they trying to do like a copycat killer? Or are they trying to say that? So this one, this woman obviously got caught. Maybe she's inspired by Motherface, but then the real Motherface is going to come back again because she's already been yeah. killed twice. But I think I was just thinking too much into it. Because it's yeah. not that big of a deal. Because they started out, he's in therapy, right? And he's remembering the, the past massacres. <laughs> yeah, from and, Mother Face. And how they killed Mother and then Mother Face. And then, uh, and then she kills him. And then uh, they just kind of cut to Brent showing up at the uh, fraternity with the fucking guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> I make a good friend. <laughs> yep. Do you like that RV scene when they're when they're driving in the RV and then they notice all the all the stuff that's in there uh, because uh, uh, what's the girl's name? It was her RV and she was gonna take Todd on like a romantic getaway. Yeah. <laughs> She comes she goes walking out like fuck. She's all pumped about it. I forget what all the they like champagne and stuff and then Derek's like and then that banner that I refused to read. <laughs> yeah, cuz it was like it was like happy th- 30 month anniversary. Yeah. Dude, there's a lot of baby stuff back here. <laughs> Trying to lead them on to like hey, you should pop the question pretty soon, that type of a thing. Well, he was a virgin, so she was trying to take his virginity, but he wasn't ready. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> See, I'm just not ready for that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, because yeah, he was the guy with the fear of sex. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else you remember that stands out? I was surprised 
when Larry King showed up. I was like, how did they get him? Yeah, it was. I had forgotten he, he was in this. there. They yeah. Pat Oswald, I could see because he probably he saw the you know the comedic value and writing in it, and was like, mm-hmm. you know, what? I should support these guys. This is a good idea. Yeah, Pat Oswald was pretty good. Um, Bop them in the nose. <laughs> it will turn into a bag of oranges because there's a vitamin C shortage. There's an the orange top. shortage. Orange shortage. So everyone's <laughs> low on vitamin C, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I almost forgot. How about when uh, all the dead dude bros go inside of Brent and become one giant dude bro? <laughs> <laughs> he just beats good. the shit out of motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was definitely a good idea. Yeah. Can't do a four, can they? <laughs> well, I don't see why not. I mean, they've already massacred the fraternity <laughs> three times. Uh, if you ever miss me, just remember that I'm in your butt. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, I I just thought it was a it was a pretty creative, yeah, funny movie. Very creative, especially if you're a you know kind of a slasher movie buff like you know you and me are kind of kind of like that. So. Mm-hmm. Especially 80s stuff. Yeah. Really fits that niche. Yep. All right. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man. Why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man. You lost my case.